Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be a journey back to the files of Arrowhead's experience reports. Now, of course, if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you'll know that Arrowhead.org is a site that is very bare bones. It's very old, but it is a site that is built to spread information, not disinformation, about drug use. So if you are like thinking about doing a drug for the first time, you can go someplace like Drugs Forum or Blue Light, one of the other many websites about drugs or drug communities, but Arrowhead is a no not nonsense, a home for information about drugs and drug use. Whatever drug it is you're thinking about doing, erowid.org, that's E-R-O-W-I-D dot O-R-G, is a great place to start your illicit drug use. Whether you're looking for dosing information or, you know, or historical information or just drug descriptions, it's a great place to go. No nonsense, no forums, no one chiming in and being like, actually, and telling people other people that their advice is terrible don't take two take eight whatever you know like none of that and of course as part of this website are the experience archives so like i said it's been around a long time it exists on donations and is a uh, fairly reliable place now can you hear that someone started vacuuming upstairs the minute i started recording lucky us anyway so, Arrowhead it is. Before we get to it, of course, as always, I want to thank everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon, everyone who asks for magnets, and everyone who supports the podcast by writing a review on iTunes or on Stitcher or wherever else it is possible to listen to podcasts that this podcast is on. I still, I don't believe I have gotten onto Spotify. I don't know why that is. Maybe I haven't really thought it through. <laughs> Any housies. Holy shit, this vacuuming is going on. Uh, yeah, so thanks to everyone who supports the show. I still have magnets. If you would like a magnet, please email me at loureads at gmail.com and I will send you a magnet. I'm somewhere on the in the area of sending over 300 magnets around the world at this point. And I still have a fair amount of magnets left. So please ask for a magnet. And when you ask for a magnet, just include your address. Don't make me send an email saying, please send your address. And also, I don't even know how you do it, but so many people put their address in sort of a invisible addition to their emails or maybe that's just the way gmail does it where it'll just be like this grayed out thing you know the thing i have to click like yeah my address is there in this uh, other part <laughs> so why did i choose arrowhead arrowhead is just a basic story format of drug trips there's no one else adding any anecdotes and they're real straightforward thought that would be a nice change of pace uh the next drug trips episode i will do will be all about people being like no you're an asshole why'd you do that many drugs or I love you. Keep doing that many drugs. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get into this episode. So the first thing we'll read in the Arrowhead Experience Vaults, located at arrowhead.org slash experiences slash some kind of crazy PHP ID, titled Eternity in the Abyss, Smoking Blend with Cannabinoid Receptor Agonist by B. Dose one hit, smoked, Products, spice, and synthetic cannabinoids, brackets, plant material. Body weight, nine stone. 
Friday the 13th, November 2015. I was sat at my dining room table. Me and my partner had just smoked a joint and had a couple of beers. I smoke daily and have dabbled with a few substances over the years. At the time, I was very naive about the newest wave of legal highs. I smoked spice when I was a kid, maybe nine years ago, and it gave me a headache. I usually research obsessively before touching anything new. I'm the sensible one most of the time. This day was definitely not my finest. He brought home a legal smoking blend a mate passed him in work. It looked sort of like ground shitty weed, was nearly tasteless, odorless, it smoked extremely smoothly. I said a few days prior, quote unquote, it could be any shit in there, but I decided to take a single hit, a decent sized one. It was probably about 8 slash 9 p.m. I lit half a small bowl and held it in, expecting a slight rush if anything at all. As I inhaled, I instantly felt like I had just taken 1,000 hits of salvia. I was frozen in a sense of fear that became more overwhelming with each passing moment. It felt like a ton of bricks was on top of me. My partner was aware something was wrong and thankfully didn't take his hit. I kept repeating, quote unquote, is this salvia? Past experiences with salvia had sworn me off ever touching it again long ago. In that moment, I was actually really willing it to be true, but knew this, however, felt more sinister. My ears began ringing, my vision became restricted, and I could feel familiar salvia-esque burning pins and needles all over me. I told myself to breathe and keep it together, but there was a sense of impending doom. Then time started to slow down. My boyfriend told me, my eyes rolled into the back of my head, and the next hour or so, I spent generally scaring the shit out of him. Switching between unconsciousness, twisting myself around inhumanly, convulsing, and later screaming the house down. He adds, quote, you were unconscious, motionless, and completely unresponsive for at least 10 minutes at start, then violently sick everywhere, then screaming was about 20 to 25 minutes in, and lasted about 1 to 2 minutes, eyes fixed on me, head following like a demon or a possessed person. I've tried a few psychedelics, brackets, 1P, shrooms, LSA, and salvia. Never had anything close to this level of dis association or total immersion in the experience. I was ripped out of existence. There was no linear flow of events. Time became meaningless, seeming as though it collapsed to zero and everything happened at once. So the following is the best order I could put it in. I was going to die or become a vegetable. Then my parents would find out. I would lose my job, my house, my partner. These scenarios were circling my mind until all comprehension of the meaning of these things was lost. Each notion became part of an endless loop of flesh-colored, cell-like blobs that were moving around each other in some dark two-dimensional place. I was part of it and felt the eerie physical sensation of twisting and contorting within the midst of it all. After some time, I became aware I had no memories of anything before this, no understanding of anything in the physical world at all. No sense of who or what I was. I didn't remember how I got there, so I concluded that I was there all along. I observed this place completely horrified, confused, and desperate. I remember thinking, quote unquote, this is it? I don't want to exist anymore. Repeatedly through these experiences, I would snap back into reality. The first time this happened, my boyfriend was on the phone. I was somewhat coherent of the situation, but I thought he was talking to my mother, so I tried to take it out of his hands. He was actually, he, he was actually of course, calling an ambulance. He passed me the phone, seemingly relieved that he thought I was coming down. Later he told me I just looked at it, very confused, passed it back to him before spacing out again. The next aspect of the trip, I cannot unfortunately do justice. I, it was cold, mechanical, it's marred into my mind, but it's completely nonsensical. There was a constant searing, unbearable pain, but I can't relate to any sort of physical pain because I couldn't discern myself from the environment. It was mostly black, superseded with white slash blue geometry and symbols flickering, shooting, branching out and spiraling with fierce intensity and speed looping but elaborating on itself each time. The sensation was ineffable. 
I felt every aspect of movement in this endless ocean. I understood every piece of information and all the implications and connections it led to simultaneously. Everything seemed to be a contradiction forcibly understood, but completely impossible. All my senses are overloaded and combined in an undecipherable soup. I didn't have the means to rationalize. I couldn't make a thought as there were no words. I ceased to exist. I never did exist, but it was somehow clear that this is all there ever was or will be, and there was nothing that could be done. Eventually, a silhouette of a human shape appeared against the dark background. It was completely foreign to me at the time. I suppose I opened my eyes and my boyfriend was talking to me in the real world, but I couldn't understand what language was or how to process it. I felt devoid of any human brain function and seems impossible to try to explain how that felt to anyone of rational mind. I might have begged for death if that was a conceivable option. However, for the majority of the experience, I didn't have the slightest idea that I was a living being under the influence of a drug. There was a picture on the wall I was staring at because it was the only thing that seemed familiar. I was trying to figure out why I knew I liked this picture, although I couldn't see understand what it was. Brackets, it was a signed band poster we had framed. I felt that I was pushing on the floor looking at this picture. This was taking me where I needed to be. This is hard to explain, but the real world wasn't the real world. It was presented as the opposite to where I was, and it was utterly impossible for this strange place to be a true representation of the real world. I accepted this, but more than anything just wanted to quote-unquote play the game again. To reach the other side each time I had to solve excruciating loops within loops. My thought processes were so delusional and erratic during this time, I'm not able to remember anything other than the mental anguish. It seemed futile, but I was driven by raging instincts to earn a few moments of the seemingly fake existence. But whenever I succeeded and tried to grasp onto anything, something triggered the whole process again. The matrix descends from the ceiling and swallows me whole. When I began to regain my sense of self, I came to a few strange conclusions. Like my mother and boyfriend were with me inside this plane. Their presence and thoughts interpreted in the streams of data. I was heartbroken they were experiencing this pain. This led me to coming up with the bizarre idea. I dropped acid with my mom, brackets, who never in her life has taken any drug other than prescription meds slash alcohol. I think this female presence may have actually been the paramedic that was in the room. Again, I come to, but this time the world was distorted and it didn't seem tangible at all. It felt like a dream and as though I had never seen reality before. I had no reference to anything. My partner seemed familiar but appeared 2D and alien looking with huge eyes and a pointy chin. He was panicking and was speaking complete gibberish. Behind him, the chairs in our dining room were made up completely of the wrong shapes, just floating stationary in the air. I was not even slightly convinced by what I was looking at. I'm not sure how many times I regressed into the void. How do you hang on to reality when you just don't know what that is? Coming down, I recalled dreamy images of my family, almost as though I was reliving childhood memories. I was comforted by it, but it didn't seem to be very important or memorable. My partner slowly faded into view. He was stood above me. I felt happy staring up at him from the floor, and I had a strong sensation of deja vu. I was feeling very uninhibited. He's been saying something to me over and over again. Suddenly I remember what the words are. I sit up and tell him, yes, I'm okay. The paramedic asks me if I know where I was. I look around, but I can't see anything familiar. Quote, unquote, my house? It was kind of a guess. They say I have to go, but I argue with them. Quote, unquote, I'm fine, and this is my house, so I can be sick all over myself and sit on the floor if I want to. I couldn't trust these people. 
people. I really didn't want to go with them. I'm told I was violent, but I have no recollection of this. They called the police for their safety. I remember feeling like I was free falling. I knew I was being sick only because I was disturbingly visualizing it moving slowly from a cross section of my oesophagus. I could hear my boyfriend telling me to sit up, but I wasn't really sure which way was up. I came to gradually and I'm sat on the sofa with a paramedic wiping sick off my face. There's a gap in my memory and somehow I was in the back of the ambulance. I asked my boyfriend if he had seen what happened. He said yes and I felt relieved that I wasn't alone and actually believed he shared my experience. Everything went dark and I felt myself lose all control of my muscles. I convulsed violently and was strapped down. Before the police shut the door to the ambulance, I told everyone with disturbing conviction, quote unquote, I know what it's like to die. In the ambulance, I was suspicious that both my boyfriend and the paramedic were in on this cosmic joke I just experienced. I eyed them both up, wanting to say something, but not being able to find the words. I kept thinking, quote unquote, they must know. By the time I got to the hospital, my mortality and the constraints of reality had dawned on me. I was relieved to be back in my own body, but very somber. I apologized to everyone and thanked them as they hooked me up to the ECG, brackets, question mark, machines to monitor me. They didn't give me anything. I had a dreamless sleep and then we left the hospital about three in the morning. I still felt high, but my soul and body bruised and battered to say the least. I had this odd feeling that I'd been away for a long time, like waking up from a coma. Those moments in the void felt like more than a lifetime, as cliche as that sounds. So that's my OD tale. It was a humbling, unforgettable experience that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Brackets, about a month and a half when I began writing this. I'm back on baseline. I'm not sure how I came back with my faculties intact. I know that there are others that weren't so lucky. This was apparently a legal store-bought smoking blend available to the public under the pretense of being quote-unquote legal cannabis. After, while smoking weed, I've had few quote-unquote flashbacks where I would recall nonsensical aspects of the trip. Moments later, they become forgotten like a dream. I had a couple of incidents of sleep paralysis. I experienced some derealization and fell into a weird dark existential depression that took a long time to pull myself out of. You can't define reality beyond your current experience. It's happening right now. Since I came to this conclusion, my derealization and flashbacks stopped. I'm sure I won't ever forget this, but I'm alive as far as I can tell, and this experience has in a way made me forever grateful for that. Experience year, 2015. Gender, female. Age at time of experience, 23. Uh, and so the next one we'll read in the from the Arrowhead Experience Vault is... Uh, is a post again in the products spice and synth and synthetic cannabinoids brackets quote 2k in a thread started by in a report done by life or in a report entitled life and death delirium and vomit by ben dose three hits smoked products spice and synthetic cannabinoids body weight 150 pounds I had gone down to a head shop close to my house, interested in buying some 20 times salvia, for I wanted to try it now instead of later because the next week I would be I would be put on a new medication. Whoops, I like that bullshit. I would be put on a new medication, Accutane, and I had no idea the effects of mixing the two. I entered the shop and asked for it, being asked for my ID in return. Thus, I exited the shop with $30 blonde K2 in hand, hoping to simply later get high and go for a walk. I waited until my parents were in bed, and then I slipped outside with my bong and a full bowl of the K2. I sat down on my patio and lighted up. A first hit. Not much occurred right away. But then very quickly, I began to feel light. 
a second hit. Ah, I could feel the high. Now this was my mistake. I don't know what possessed me, but I took a third hit. The feelings became much more intense and pleasant, but then, instantly the mosquito bite on my back became intensely uncomfortable. I felt horrible. I felt like I was going to die. I couldn't take this. I felt, or I thought I felt, my heart rushing, pumping. I had to get inside. I stumbled up the stoop to my door, got into the kitchen, and turned the lights off. I walked over to the sunroom where the TV was still on. I had expected to watch some TV afterwards. I turned the lights off. Instant relief. I turned the TV off. I remembered I still had my bong in my hand. Quote, unquote, shit, where the fuck could I put this? I thought to myself. Well, I crawled on the ground and managed to stash it next to the back of my couch on the edge, generally where no one would go. All was dark, so I figured it would be all right there while I got better. Here's where it gets weird. Now, I can't remember if this happens now or after I got onto the couch, and then maybe I wander back to the floor, but it happens earlier on. I'm apparently still on the floor, feeling like dying. I don't exactly remember the course of events, but I had some incredibly uncomfortable mental visuals and experiences. I was being transported through different realities, experiencing what the world could be like. Fucking different dimensions. It was horrible. I went progressively into worse realities. At one point in a reality that I had originally thought was where people went when they died. A reality of complete peace and no feeling. This was different. In this, I couldn't relax. It was constant struggle, constant discomfort, no haven in sight, constant swishing and rushing of terror and sadness. I tried to understand what I was feeling, and it was a simultaneous rush of uncomfortable emotions from people all over the world. I just kept feeling one constant unsettling emotion over and over again. When I tried to relax, it forced me back, and there was no release, no bringing down of intensity. There was false relaxations, which would only bring me back to worse emotional feelings. I couldn't take this. This couldn't be existence. Quote, unquote, how can this be reality? How can this be existence? I bitterly questioned my mind. Quote, unquote, when will this end? Is this how life is? I needed an escape. Quote, unquote, bring me back to the real world, please. Just for an instant. I ascended. A rush, and I am back on a floor. At the same time, I had some short visual of going with some other boys into some unknown house. Now, here we are. I look around, see the shadows and lights on the wall and the windows large and expanding, the room stretching. I believed I must have been somewhere else. Now we were all lying down on the floor in some unknown house. Quote, unquote, hey guys, I exclaimed. Quote, unquote, guys? Quote, unquote, guys? No one responded. I saw the shadows of boys laying on the floor next to me. I felt some kind of furniture leg. Quote, unquote, guys? It began to seep into me that there was no one there. It began to feel eerily familiar. The furniture leg felt incredibly similar to what I had in my own sunroom in the TV room. In all actuality, I hadn't gone anywhere. Then I realized this and I began to get up. I decided to lay down and make it seem like I had simply fallen asleep in front of the TV, but then I vomited on the couch. Quote unquote shit. I used my blanket to hold my vomit as more came out. Quote unquote shit shit shit. It was a constant struggle to stay with reality. I would often go in and out feeling as though this room was a dream, nothing real, nothing that I knew. Quote unquote is that my TV? What is that? Often, very often, I would vomit. I kept trying to name what was in the room to keep me with reality, to keep me from slipping into the world of bright and spinning visuals. Quote unquote, that's my TV, and that's my VCR and DVD player, and that's a plant stand. There's that 
plant plant in it from my old house and a fern I got from my third grade art teacher. She named him Elvis. Repeatedly, I would do this and I would keep slipping. At one point, it seemed like someone was judging me and the quality of my descriptions of real world things would keep me in this world. More vomiting. I had another hallucination. I thought I was maybe in the hospital or something. Regardless, there were people there. I was somewhere else laying down. I was conversing, hearing them, but I can't remember about what. Then I had a lapse of sanity. Quote, unquote, oh wait, I'm here. There's no one there. And I was back in my room. The visuals seemed like bright colored pixels and molecules spinning around and flashing. At one point, the room spun out of control. I couldn't take it. Quote, unquote, stop this. Stop now. I had always had the ability to talk in the real world. And I always had the ability to move. More vomiting. I quickly realized that my hands were always there. They could always take me back. And my feet. I always had 10 fingers and two feet. They kept me grounded. I would stare at my hands as they synchronized, made different shapes, and moved their fingers. Quote, unquote, here are my hands. They have 10 fingers total, and they have five separate they appeared perfect, almost cartoonish as in some or some sort of CGI creation. My hands and feet were the only reminder that I still existed in space and I was there. I slid my glasses onto the floor so as not to get them dirty. Vomiting kept me in reality as well. Those powerful surges that I could now more easily control by clenching my fists. As it left me, that's when I felt most real, the most alive. It is difficult to remember, but I do know that now I heard footsteps increase from above me. My parents' room is just above and to the front of where I was sitting, and this is where the noise was coming from. I couldn't let them find me here in this space. Not like this. There was too much vomit. There was a pool between my knees and the blanket. After some waiting, lights began to flip on, and my mom came into the sunroom. She asked what was going on. I said I felt sick. Quote, unquote, yeah, me too, she said. Quote, unquote, not like this, I thought. She watched and stood there as I vomited. It seemed like time was frozen. She wouldn't move. Then she asked what I thought it could be. Quote, unquote, food poisoning? Quote, unquote, no, I don't think so, Mom. I vomited again and again. It refused to hold back. Nothing much came out, but it hurt. She decided to bring me upstairs. It was difficult to walk, and so I held on to her as we journeyed out of the room. Tight spaces were like canyons, and the steps were like mountains. I made it to my room and fell onto the bed. She gave me a bowl to barf in and a towel. My shirt was already off from when I took it off downstairs when my mom found me. Soon I threw up into the bowl. I don't know how long I was there, but my face wouldn't leave the bowl. It just stayed in there. I threw up some more. My mom eventually took the bowl and washed it out. I laid there, my desk lamp on. My mom had turned my computer off. I just laid there, an ice pack on my head. My mom must have given it to me. I pushed it onto the floor later on. Some hours later, I went downstairs to try to get my bong. But my mom was on her laptop in the sunroom. I told her, quote unquote, I'm better now. She asked how I was and told me how it would be better if I went back to bed. So I did. I had a tremendous headache. I went back to bed and then some hours later, I saw that the hallways were dark. I went down to finally reclaim the bong. It was where it had been. Had my mom seen it? I wasn't sure. I brought it upstairs, put it in my closet, then went to bed. No dreams. What can I say about this? It was the worst experience of my life. Never again will I attempt that many bong hits from K2. I honestly felt like I was going to die that night. I had always wanted to test the possibilities of my body's psyche to see where it could bring me, to see if I could experience another world. I experienced another world. This is not at all what I ever could have wanted. I was brought to different realities, places that fucked up my complete view of the world. A disconnection filled with feelings that could never be felt in the real world. A total disorientation and confusion. And the vomiting. And the spinning. I couldn't escape. The whole experience lasted several hours. I may have cried for brief moments of time. It was horror. My friend had previously told me that when he smoked too much of the stuff, it fucked with his mind. Well, my mind was surely fucked. I was ravaged and raped, torn out and spewed out all over my blanket. I 
am relieved to now be back in reality and be alive. This world is much better than I had previously experienced. I always knew deep down the quote-unquote real world was the one with furniture. I always knew to come back here, and that's why now I deeply hold on to it. What changed me were the transportation into other realities and the clash between them and the visceral feeling of vomiting and touch. I learned that what keeps us grounded are those inner body feelings within the chest and letting go means going away. That if I'm not prepared for something, I gotta suffer and learn. I only learn when I go down the hard path. I am by no means denouncing K2. I've used it countless times since my horror show. I find it a very stimulating product that is many more times potent than weed. I can do many hits of weed for my bong without any feelings of death. It produces no feelings of relaxation for the most part. It's mainly a means to get high. My friend tried two hits for my bong even after I told him about my experience. He overdosed, but to a much lesser degree. His heart was beating out of control and he was very uncomfortable for some time. Experience year 2010. Gender male. Age at time of experience 17. And we'll go from that story to another story in the product Spice and Synthetic Cannabinoids brackets quote K2 in a story entitled Horrible Night Eye Opening Ending by DGK. And it goes like this. Dose, repeated, smoked, products, spice, and synthetic cannabinoids. Body weight, 170 pounds. K2. Oh, Lord, K2. This whole event occurred six or seven months ago, and yet I'm just now getting around to writing about it. It's an experience that has caused me to think and rethink what may have happened, how I could have avoided it, or even how it has changed me mentally. One thing I know for sure, it was the most terrifying experience I've had to date. Sorry for the length, but I wanted everything documented. Brackets. Note that I had been introduced to marijuana a year earlier and hadn't done anything else other than tobacco. I had experienced K2 a while before then, only not under the same brand name. I was at a party with a bunch of people and looking to get high as I did not like binge drinking or alcohol in general for that matter. Unfortunately, no one had any good herb with them that night, including myself, except for one guy who had a few grams of spice gold with him. He plays a later role in this, so we'll call him N. N was a very heavy pot smoker for several years before this and had recently gotten into the spice smoking scene. He didn't go a day without a few bowls of spice in his system, so naturally he brought his stash to the party. I'd heard about spice before and knew it was a good alternative to marijuana, so I decided to get a gram for myself and a couple of friends that night. I took two very small hits since I wasn't sure how it would affect me. I decided to stop since I still wanted to be socially functional and I could already feel very light and airy. I was getting giggly fast also. The rest of the night went fine, no problems. At one point, I was convinced actually moonwalking from place to place since I felt like my steps never hit the ground. I said some pretty ridiculous things about that, but for the most part, I just acted as normal as any high person would. Shortly after the party, I'd gotten caught by my parents and had to stop smoking for a while. A good two or three months of nothing but oxygen going into my lungs. By that time, though, I was able to see people again and looking to get high. I wanted to get very high my first time coming back, almost as celebration. So I called N up since I assumed he probably had some butt on him. Training to become a professional stage performer, I had just finished working out and rehearsing for the day and made my way over to N's house. When I had finally got to his place, he was already mildly stoned. I was so anxious just to get high that I didn't even bother with changing out of my slightly damp and sweaty clothes. I figured it didn't matter. I think this may have been my first mistake of the night, as you'll see later. We then went to his room and got comfortable. I pushed his puppy out of the room and he pulled out his bong and baggie of herb. I immediately noticed it wasn't actually Bud and pointed that out. He told me it was K2 and not to worry about it. He just said not to let his mom know. She was fine with us smoking weed in the house, but was against spice, since she said it was quote-unquote 
not natural. It was a chemical and not a plant. Still determined to get really high, I told him to pack the tightest, meanest bowl he could. This was my second mistake. We started at about 10 p.m. and handed me the bong and told me to take as huge a hit as I could. I did just that and went full force inhaling. The smoke had a very sweet aroma, almost like fruity pebbles. I really liked it. The smoke wasn't very harsh and I held it for about 15 to 20 seconds. I exhaled and noticed it had almost a greenish tinge to it. I thought it was interesting and handed the bong to N for his hit. He took one, I took one, he took another, and I took another. He took one last one, then stopped and looked at me. He said, quote, unquote, there's a little less than half the bowl left. You're going to torch all of it in one hit. By that time, I wasn't feeling anything and figured, quote, unquote, hell, I just want to get super blazed. I agreed. As I held the bong and ripped it hard, he torched the rest of the bowl. The hit was so large that it definitely burned my throat and lungs a little, but I didn't think anything of it. I held it for even longer this time, probably 30 to 40 seconds, as I was starting to see stars. This was my third and biggest mistake. I inhaled, I exhaled very slowly and sat there looking at end. He grinned sinisterly and said, quote unquote, you're in for a hell of a night, man. I just chuckled and got up from his room. I wasn't feeling anything and was actually feeling a little left out. He seemed really high, and I had still yet to feel anything. Kind of disappointed, I stepped out of his living room and sat down. I knew it had hit me later, but I was still just waiting for it. It was about 10.40 p.m. by this time. I pulled out my phone and began texting one of my friends, waiting for N to finish cleaning up and putting stuff away in his room. The girl I texted was a friend from my dance company, but didn't know that I smoked. Brackets, I think this may have also had something to do with with my night. As I pressed the send button on my phone, I noticed that something was different. I couldn't tell, but I just felt strange. Different than a weed come up. I told myself it was just K2 and then I'd done it before. It was no biggie. I just tried rolling with it. The feeling became stronger and stronger though, as I started to feel very anxious, fearful, and nervous. As the feeling got even stronger, the thought passed that my mom would find out about me smoking. I instantly got scared, but tried to think nothing of it. It was impossible to get in trouble at N's house, unless someone decided to call the cops on us. So impossible. It didn't help. I got even more paranoid and nervous about the situation. I felt as though I was losing control of my hands and feet. They felt very far away, like they weren't my own. I tried touching the couch, rubbing the textures, but felt nothing. My sense of touch was almost completely gone, and this really unsettled me. I couldn't feel anything other than growing coldness all around me and a cold wetness on me leg. I didn't know what the wetness was and couldn't figure it out. This also scared me. Quote, unquote, this isn't like weed at all, I thought. Then the thought passed by that somehow my friend that I was texting would find out. This scared me even more since I connected that with my company director finding out and kicking me out for doing drugs. I got very paranoid at this point and tried to touch more <laughs> I got very paranoid at this point and tried to touch even more things to get my sense of touch back, but everything felt blurred and just gone. I looked at my hands and it was as if they were stretching further and further away from me, extending away from my body. I caught out of the corner of my eye movement and looked towards it. I saw N's dog sitting next to my leg, licking it up and down. I was incredibly surprised by this, since I finally realized what the wet sensation was from, but I couldn't tell how long he'd even been there, or how I hadn't even noticed him come up to me in the first place. For some reason, this just made me very uncomfortable and I tried to kick him away. After this, N came back into the room smiling. He looked at me and asked if I felt it yet. This was also strange since N was to the left of me, but I thought his voice was coming from the right. I looked over in his direction and saw no one. I asked, quote unquote, where is your voice coming from? He looked at me and said it was just him. After that, he grinned again and said, quote unquote, dude, you're tripping balls. He clapped a few times and I thought the sound was coming from several different directions, everywhere but from him. He was laughing and started saying things like, quote unquote, ha ha 
how your hearing is messed up, man. You're fucked up. Brackets. It probably did not help with the fact that N liked to quote unquote trip people out by doing odd and sometimes scary things to mess with their psyche. I realized that I was way higher than I wanted to be and was afraid I would spiral into a bad trip. Unfortunately, even just the thought of bad trip planted the idea into my head and it was like it manifested itself there and grew larger and larger until it was all I could think about. Quote, unquote, bad trip, people finding out, trouble, oh shit, were the main thoughts in my head at the time. I was still trying very hard to stay out of a bad trip by thinking happy thoughts and just trying to forget all the bad things I was thinking about, but to no avail. The only thing that I could think then was if I openly admitted I was having a bad trip, then I would have one. As badly as I wanted and to help me with this, I knew that not only would he probably just freak me out more, but that I would spiral right down into a bad trip by admitting it. This seemed incredibly important that I do not admit i was having a bad trip quote unquote i i don't i don't think i can hear you was what came out of my mouth after that he just looked at me and said quote unquote dude you're tripping out just come back to my room I responded by saying, quote unquote, I don't think I can. He just turned around and went in. I slowly tried to stand up and found it incredibly difficult, like my body's bones were taken out and I was left with muscles only for support. I slowly walked, teetering and tottering my way back to N's room. By this time, he had the cold sensation filled my whole body. I felt like I was laying in snow, completely naked. It was a horrible feeling that wouldn't go away. I tried to think about where it was coming from and finally attributed it to the fact that my shirt was slightly damp. It took all of my concentration to switch shirts. But even after that, I still felt very, very cold. There and then, I decided I needed to lie down. I lay down on his bed and covered up in two heavy blankets, and still I was freezing. I thought I was dying. It wasn't the way that you may feel when you think you're dying on a psychedelic, but it felt like my body was just failing on me. My organs were not working any further. It was just shutting down. I began to shake much like someone would during a seizure the entire time and was oblivious to my situation. I lay there freezing and shaking uncontrollably for another 10 minutes minutes or so, thinking I was going to die, until I finally said something to N. I had to tell him what was up. Quote, unquote, I need blankets, was all that came out. N slowly looked over to me and right away looked kind of worried. Brackets, later he would tell me he literally thought I was having a seizure and contemplated calling 911. I was shaking that bad. He left the room to get more blankets and I instantly became lonely. More lonely than I've ever been. I just wanted him back in the room. I felt even more like I was dying. I had to tell him, I thought. I shouted his name loudly, probably loud enough for his mom to hear me. He came rushing back in with a handful of blankets asking what was wrong. I told him, quote, unquote, I think I'm having a bad trip, man. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Brackets. I kept repeating that phrase until he interrupted. That was it. I finally admitted it. I was washed over with anxiety, fear, paranoia, terror. It was horrible. I grabbed the blankets and put them on. I now had six heavy blankets on me and I was still cold. As I was putting them on and started laughing, quote unquote, you're fine. Just chill out, he said, but it didn't help. He grinned at me again and moved towards the light switch. This was a major bad move. <laughs> This was a major bad move on his part, as he began flickering the lights on and off very quickly. I knew he was trying to trip me out, and I just hid my eyes under the blankets, trying to ignore it. Even though my eyes were closed, and I could only see the backs of my eyelids, brackets, note that it was all black, minus a few swirly colors and geometric shapes, as one would see if they closed their eyes tightly, but could somehow still sense when the lights would be on or off. Eventually, N stopped and resumed his activity of playing Xbox. 
From this point on, I can't remember much other than the fact that I thought with every that I thought with every ounce of my inner self that I was dying, that I would be dead in the morning. I thought of calling my parents and telling them or of telling my friends, but I couldn't move. I had no control over my body. I was freezing as all hell, shaking like no other under six blankets. This continued for a while until I felt an odd presence in my head, like someone had stepped in and was trying to take control. Without even thinking it, I said, quote unquote, and how long does this last? He replied, bored. I don't know, like 45 minutes. He then paid no attention to me. This was only slightly relieving, but it gave me something else to think about. 45 minutes? That's all I focused on. I still thought I was dying, but that presence was still there, and clouded by that was the number 45. 45 minutes, and this would be over, brackets. I don't know if it was really 45 minutes or not, but I did continue to suffer for a while. My next memory was laying in his bed, no longer shaking or cold. Hot, actually. I was down to one blanket by this time, and was playing music and dosing, and I was lost in virtual hallucinations. I couldn't really see see in's room anymore, just barely visible outlines of things around me. What took focus was an overlying background on top of everything that would constantly change colors, and it seemed like pinpoint lasers were being shot everywhere. The music was just generic hip-hop, but it had an odd sound. The sound formulated into a being in the middle of the visuals, a floating chameleon, and out of its eyes it was shooting lasers. It was incredibly bizarre. I wasn't thinking anything, just lost in what I was seeing. I must have fallen asleep after this since I woke up around 3 a.m. with a DVD movie menu repeatedly playing and was fast asleep. I had control over my movements now and felt much better. I felt now like I was coming down from a peak of a weed high. I was hungry, thirsty, and awake. I put on another movie and left to get food and something to drink. I continued to gorge myself until the movie was over. I then had an overwhelming urge to listen to music. I ripped out my iPod and played a song I was familiar with by Sigur Ross. Their music is soothing and I tend to listen to that a lot when I'm high on bud. I lay in the bed and listen with my eyes closed to the notes of the music. I was amazed. I had a whole story with visuals thrown in right there in front of me. I imagined an entire choreographed piece to the song, specific numbers and looks of the people, specific movements, even a background story and concept. It was inspiring. I listened to it again and saw the exact same thing. I got up quickly from the bed, determined to write down what I saw in a notebook. I ended up staying awake all night, writing every last detail I saw. When I finished, it was roughly 7 a.m. and N's mom was waking up. Oddly enough, I had the strongest urge for coffee and went and got some. After having some mild conversation with N's mom and finishing my cup of coffee, I went back to the notebook and read what I had written. I was impressed by what I had accomplished and at that point decided to reflect on my experience. I'm usually a very introspective and self-critical thinker, so this was normal for me. At the time, I reasoned that I had probably done too much and wasn't used to it. I shouldn't have been texting anyone and I should have changed my clothes when I got there. But I realized something else. During my trip, I truly thought I was dying, but I kept working mentally through it. I was trying my hardest to make it through my bad trip since I knew N would be of no help. It was almost like I had gone and tried a psychedelic for the first time with no sitter. I only had myself to work with. I had been introduced to a very bad situation and made it through using my own mental resources. And this realization was profound for me. For the next week or so, I was glowing with self-accomplishment and kept the attitude of, quote unquote, I can make it through anything if I just put my mind to it. Suffice to say, the glowing feeling and attitude eventually died off. Although for the next few weeks, I direly needed coffee almost all day. If I went too long without a cup of coffee, I would become irritable and not very functional. I have not tried any spice products since then, but have smoked more herb. I have become more and more interested in psychedelics only for 
for spiritual and introspective reasons. Mainly because of this experience, it was truly terrifying and one of the worst experiences I've ever had to date. But in all, I think it may have helped me in my mental strength. I just caution others interested in K2 or Spice not to do more just to quote unquote get higher as what happened to me may happen to you if you overdose. Experience here 2010, gender male, age at time of experience 16. And the next Arrowhead Experience Vault story we'll read is entitled Managed to Hook Me Within Weeks. Spice-like smoking blends, brackets K2, by Schizoid Man. Dose 2.5 grams smoked products, spice-like smoking blends, brackets daily, body weight 70 kilograms. Here is my story about synthetic cannabis use and the withdrawal experience. I have been a marijuana smoker on and off for about 30 years, but I always manage my use by regularly stopping for periods of weeks or even months. Usually I pick it up in holidays or times I knew I could be enjoying the drug without anyone noticing. Marijuana helped me cope with loneliness and I would become creative and industrious. It suited my schizoid character strategy. I found projects around the house and get lost for days or weeks doing these creative projects. Or even painting my whole house, for example, because without being high, painting a house can be quite boring. Anyway, I managed marijuana for many years, but since I changed my job, I can no longer smoke pot because of ethical reasons. Eventually, last year I heard about the synthetic cannabis drug called called K2, and it was selling down the road at my local dairy. So one afternoon on yet another holiday, I thought to check it out and got myself a 2G pack. Well, it was legal, so I thought I finally found something to get around the problem of drug testing. Oh my god, the high I got from that was just fantastic. The first 2G lasted me nearly a week. Just now and then, a toke from my pipe and I was away. Obviously, over the following weeks, my usage increased. I continued to smoke the stuff over about a period of three months without any major problems. However, I did get some rashes on my underarms and legs. I didn't think much of it, and I continued puffing away for another few weeks. The rash continued, and I continued to manage these rashes with creams and other natural remedies. By now I have been smoking this stuff for about four months and my health started to decline as well as my personality. I started to withdraw away from people and finding constant times to get away from my partner to get stoned, say every hour or so. I simply could not last any longer without a hit. This obviously affected our relationship eventually. My libido went out the window and I had no longer interest in sex. She was clearly suffering now and she started to get slightly pissed off with me. She realized she had an addict on her hand. I continued to deny this, of course. My job also started to get affected and eventually I was fired. I became a very angry person, withdrawn, and I started to project negative traits onto everyone I had contact with. I became a big bear and everyone around me became a salmon, so to say. By now I had lost my job, my relationship was on the rocks, and I started to get quite well, quite unwell physically. I got onto a, it got to a stage where I could not sleep anymore at night and I had to get up early in the morning to get stoned and watch a movie. Then I would go back to sleep and get up in the morning at 8 a.m. just to get stoned first thing. After five months of use, I was getting stoned all day and night long, at least 18 hours a day. I consumed, on average, 2.5 grams every day and my usage was still rising. By then, I spent about $200 every week. Eventually, my immune system started to collapse and these rashes started to get extreme. From all the scratching, I infected my skin further and I started to get a yeast infection that took over my whole body. This was the first sign that my body could no longer cope with the chemicals I was putting into myself every day. Eventually, I noticed that my right leg lost coordination. It felt as if it was not keeping up with the walking anymore. Also, I noticed that I was feeling like standing 
standing taller and almost like floating rather than walking. Clearly, I had some difficulties with my basic functions there, so I panicked and I realized that I might have done some damage to my brain or something. Anyway, that evening I was invited to a party and I went along reluctantly. Brackets, I rather would have stayed home to get stoned. How long would I last without it, I wondered. I fell asleep on the table and I slurred my words, avoiding engaging with anyone. Eventually, I was asked if I wanted to have a lie down, which I did. I slept for about two hours and the party was over. <laughs> <laughs> this was quite embarrassing for me, and after that day I realized that I had a problem. I became aware that I could no longer function without K2. I actually had to use this stuff just to manage the side effects or to get any sleep. I started to lose weight, and I didn't feel very hungry. I looked old. I was angry all the time unless I had a smoke, so there was only one way. I had to stop cold turkey. I was lucky that I had the time to do this because I wasn't working and I had funds, brackets, my credit card, to finance that. The first few weeks were horrendous. I could not sleep, woke up in sweats if I managed to get an hour of sleep or two, and I basically was walking around the house like a zombie. I eat very little, mostly soup. That was the only thing I could... Fuck you. Phone. Ugh. Hold on. Hold on, computer. That was the only thing I could keep down. I looked quite skinny and my tummy was now... <laughs> Wait. I looked quite skinny and my tummy was almost gone. I used to fast a lot a few years ago and only 30 days of fasting would get me down to the weight I had now. I guess that was the only positive thing. I felt lethargic, I had no energy, and I became very negative. During the first two weeks of my withdrawal period, I had a confrontation with someone and I completely unhinged and I can truly say that I nearly had a psychotic episode. I had to have therapy during this time to settle the symptoms down again. During this light psychotic episode, I had a huge transferential reaction to another person that completely caused for me to nearly lose the plot. I can only say that my therapist was working hard for her money during this time, and in hindsight, I can clearly link this to my use and withdrawing from the synthetic cannabis. After about four weeks of stopping, I started to feel better. My appetite came back, I had less headaches, and I slept right through the night again. However, now and then, I still woke up at 4 a.m. in the morning. I also used kawa during this period. It reduced my anxiety and paranoia. This is the only thing I used during my withdrawal time. Six weeks after getting off K2, I felt much better. The rashes disappeared thanks to the use of oil of oregano. The only thing that helped me get these rashes under control. I still had slight headaches and low energy, but I can say six weeks after I started to withdraw, the negative effects had gone. This experience was extremely unpleasant for me. It was my first real addiction, and this 2K managed to hook me within weeks, something that marijuana could not do in 30 years. I guess I had a crash course in addiction, and I finally was able to also look at my cannabis use as well. This experience enabled me to do some more work in my own therapy, my addiction issues, and so on. There was some great learning also, I guess, but I did end up with losing a job, heaps of weight, a few friends, about six months of my life, and a $7,000 credit card debt, but also some personal growth. Growth. Thank God my partner stuck with me through this bad episode of my life. I think it got us closest together, if anything. I don't think I would ever touch cannabis again now, certainly not synthetic cannabis. I am angry because in my view, the only reason this synthetic shit is out there because our government's stubborn view not to decriminalize the use of marijuana. It's time to wake up. The laws in its current form and the synthetic shit is much more addictive and dangerous than marijuana ever was or is. Yet I or anyone else can buy this shit just down the road in the local dairy. This is the irony of it all. The local dairies had become the tinny houses I used to go to when I wanted to get high years ago. Marijuana is a picnic in the park and much safer 
flavor compared to the synthetic crap. End of story. Experience year 2012. Mare. Uh, male. Age at time of experience 52. And we'll finish this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You by reading an Arrowhead shared experience entitled Synthetic LSD Shrooms Spice by Mary Payne Not Joy. And it goes like this. Dose one hit smoked products, spice, and synthetic cannabinoids. We decided to take by Mary Joy Pink because the local head shop was out of K2. We should have researched the drug first. We thought it would be just like any of the other synthetic cannabinoids. Big mistake. All four of us tried the substance. Three o'clock. When I took a gravity bong sized hit of the substance, it tasted just like other synthetic weeds. But as I released the smoke, I was already experiencing a high that I had never felt. 301. A Discomfort that is nearly impossible to describe. A sensation is described by other users of this site, a high that kept getting higher without an endpoint in sight. My heart began to race like I was running a marathon, and I felt a wave of the worst feeling of fear that I've ever felt in my life. As my friends took their hits, I heard one of them say, quote unquote, This isn't like the other stuff at all. That's when the proverbial balls hit the wall. 302. I have decided that the living room and these feelings are too much to handle. The trip can only be described in terms of, quote unquote, intensity. It felt like the weight of the world was coming down on my consciousness and shoulders. The only other time I have felt like this was after eating an abnormal amount of mushrooms. 304. I run into the basement as I see that one of my other friends is just then experiencing the quote-unquote higher than I've ever been and starting to freak out look as well. I realize that I should not have done this to myself and start to realize that this isn't even the beginning of this nightmare. As I am walking down the steps, I feel as if the bottom has dropped out of the world, emotionally and physically. My steps become wobbly and I realize muscle functioning is becoming almost a foreign task. I come to terms as I reach the bottom of the stairs that I'm going to die in the basement. 305. My thoughts have shifted and become only what I can describe as grim. An entity of some kind is in the basement with me and I feel certain as if it is the Grim Reaper or another finalizing entity here to finish the task. I am trying to fight with my consciousness to stay in touch with reality. I am pacing, slashing, frantically stumbling for normalcy to no avail. I begin to trip over myself and have to hold myself up because the experience has become too intense to handle. I am more fucked up than I have ever been on any drugs I have ever ingested. Time and space are now a mystery to me. I have never tripped this hard before. Images come into my mind and I start to question my own reality and life. I feel that I'm in a movie and it is frantically getting worse. I hear my friends upstairs screaming for it to stop and whether or not they are going to die. Safe to say that my heart was beating at nearly 200 BPM. I was sweating profusely and my vision kept blurring and melting into images that were in my head. I started talking to myself out loud as if I was trying to prove a geometry equation proof as to whether or not I existed at all or if this had been some cruel psychotropic split-second reality that I had morphed into a 26-year reality. It was clear that I had lost my shit and I was going to die. 312. My girlfriend, who is not experiencing the horrid effects of the drug, sweetly tries to calm me down. This does not work. I begin to see her in the room turn into episodic panels from film reel or cartoon work where every memory is a still screenshot and flashes of light are so intense I have to keep closing my eyes. My girlfriend feels my heartbeat and starts to frantically worry that I may be starting to have a heart attack. I try to start controlling my breathing as I am still pacing and sweating. Extreme visuals take hold of my mind. Death is imminent. I start to realize that the heaviness slash intenseness slash fear has totally consumed my mind. I start talking to the entity in the 
room with myself. 3.15. I started to feel a great presence in the room, not quite godlike, but more like an authority figure type of entity. I start pleading my god that if I make it through this, that I will never touch this drug again. I am screaming at the top of my lungs for god to make it stop or just to take me. A feeling of acceptance of my imminent death takes a hold of me. I begin to fall down and have to catch myself on the wall, as the wall turns into a black hole that I nearly fall into. My girlfriend tells me that everything is going to be okay and that it has been 15 minutes since we have smoked. When I say that it feels like it has been centuries since we smoked, I must put this into context because other accounts I read do not do this for the person thinking of taking this drug and reading this. A concept of psychological unprecedented proportions that has never affected myself even when eating extremely large doses of MDMA and psilocybin mushrooms. I am swept into the middle of a history book or an annual type book and literally watch as the characters' lives spring forth an existence upon me. I take on people's lives within history and experience in full-blown reality, birth to death, and every aspect of characters' lives. I live thousands of lives within 15 minutes of smoking this substance. Inside my mind, I feel as if I have forever lost my identity as a person and my chemical and psychological makeup has been whipped slate clean. My other friends are starting to experience nausea and panic attacks as well. One of them later laments to me that he has been catatonic for what felt like the beginning of the earth until the end of it in a matter of minutes. One starts to profusely vomit on the floor and the other in the bathroom. I can hear all these things happening while I'm in the basement alone. My girlfriend takes my hand and forces me outside of the basement door into the backyard. An immediate dream state begins as I feel as I have dropped out of an old dimension and into a new one. Birds or auditory hallucinations of them speak to me like words of God. I can hear the entire universe's population as a conversation inside my head. I want to cry but I have lost all functioning within my body. 3.45 I can't believe this is happening to me. I know that something is out to get me. I walk back in from outside and ultimately have a final talk with God telling him that I will be a better person if I got out of this state alive. I beg to feel anything other than this. This scares me because it sends my mind into thoughts of suicidal tendencies and visions of my impending death. By this point, I have lost all functioning within my body. I am demanding my thoughts for my body to do something and that my synapses are misfiring or non-existent. I stop breathing, then gasp for air like I have been drowning in a large ocean and just been allowed to get air. 336. Hmm, that's going back in time. I create a mantra and start repeating it that I will not die and that I have too much to live for. This is almost impossible to do because I obtain a thought in my head and then lose it almost immediately along with my perception of who I am, all the while trying to focus enough energy not to pass out. I decide that I will never get out of this alive. Honestly, the most scared moment of my life. 3.40. I start to feel a leveling off period come on and decide I must leave the basement to go upstairs if I am to make it alive. It takes an eternity to make it up the stairs as I do. I watch my friend's large pupils dart downward as they are both throwing up. I throw myself down on the bed and thoughts spin in and out as I pass out. I wake up and see that only five minutes have passed and now I feel nauseated. I burst into the bathroom and projectile vomit for a good ten minutes. 4 o'clock. I feel like an extreme weight has been taken off my shoulders. My girlfriend starts to talk normally to me in conversation context, and I can somewhat keep up. I feel as though we are on a sitcom and I find myself citing lines from a script that doesn't exist. Everything is comical as, as though our whole situation has turned into an episode in front of a live audience. I can hear the audience laugh when I finish my lines in the conversation. I lay down and pass out for 15 minutes. Slowly, the experience is slowing down. 4.15. I wake up to be summoned to the help of one of my friends who is vomiting on the floor of the living room and is canatonic. I realize that I'm coming down, but I'm still more fucked up than I have ever been in my life. Distortions of time and movement still grip my body. I tell him things will be fine, even though I didn't think they would be. After he vomits, he begins to feel more level-headed and high. 5 o'clock. I am still very high and have had very mushroom-like body buzz going on. I have to leave to meet my parents. <laughs> 
I have to leave to meet my parents, and I'm still very scared at the notion of leaving the confines of a house. My girlfriend has calmed me down to where I can start to put words together like a toddler and allow myself time to breathe and take in what has happened. 6 o'clock. I am as high as I wanted to be three hours prior to smoking the substance and am driving. My distance and directional volitional movements are scattered and I run off the road once while getting home. Brackets arrowed notice. Driving while intoxicated, tripping, or extremely sleep-deprived is dangerous and irresponsible because it endangers other people. Don't do it. 8 o'clock. I feel as though I have smoked a joint and feel moderately high as I make some errands around town. Just glad to be back to normal and not dead. Please be very careful with this drug. I will never use it again, and from all research I have done after taking it, it seems to be close to experiences of DMT, large doses of LSD, and ketamine-slash-disassociative drugs. The most scared I have ever been in my life, period. Experience year, 2011. Gender, male. Age at time of experience, 26. Well, what'd you think of that? The reason I decided to do this episode is because a decade ago when I first heard about synthetic marijuana, I was curious about it. I never did it, but I was sort of like interested in like the compounds because you could just literally buy it off forums in like pound things and you, you know, or kilo packages and you could just you know, buy some Domania, which is like a, a smokable herb that it has no properties other than like, you know, just you can smoke it and it won't kill you or make you cough. Like it's, it's sort of a neutral smoke, smoking ground up plant matter. And then you could just dissolve this JHW with some sort of number at the end of it, uh, or JWH, whatever it was, chemical in uh, acetone, put it in the, put your plant matter in there and let the acetone evaporate. And then you would have this smokable plant and people used to sell it on forums I would visit and it was totally legal. And then and I was just sort of like, oh, that's novel, you know, <laughs> like uh, it's something you can smoke and, you know, you won't test for drugs. It won't, you know, it doesn't trigger drug tests or whatever. And then if I recall correctly, um, it was being used in the military a lot. And some military guy l- left the spice package in the garbage and that was discovered and caused a whole crackdown on this drug. And then since then, they keep, you know, they keep, the government keeps putting these chemicals on the banned list in the United States. And they keep banning drugs, banning drugs, banning drugs. And the international chemists who are just churning out drugs will change a molecule or find a different similar molecule or whatever in the drug and just ship out a whole new batch. And basically, this falls under the, the synthetic cannabinoids fall under the whole ter- the uh, umbrella of research chemicals because basically you're doing research on yourself by testing these chemicals which you have very little knowledge of what is in them. You know, you're accepting that whoever has sold you a pound of whatever from China is actually a legit chemist. You know, and of course, if you're doing your due diligence, you would have some way of testing what you were getting, but most people are never really sure. And now, you know... K2 and Spice is in the news all the time here in New York and around the country as, you know, lower income communities are have the dual problems of like opioid crisis and then also you have your stumble bum alcoholics and weirdos who like buy K2 and Spice because it's like super inexpensive compared to buying actual drugs and ODing on it and passing out all over the place. But there isn't a lot of anecdotal evidence about what it's like. Uh, you know, clearly some people in small amounts, it's like, oh, this is okay fake marijuana it's not marijuana whatever and then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like i smoked just a little too much and i felt like i was dying and whatever so i just find that whole thing very fascinating and of course the answer is uh to some degree legalization of marijuana because 
it's dumb that it's not legal considering how many people smoke it and how many lives having it be illegal has ruined and uh, whatever. And you can say the opposite side. You can say the whole people shouldn't do drugs and drugs ruin my life. Alcohol ruins a lot of lives. Being arrested for marijuana ruins a lot of lives. You know, there's two sides to every story, but this there's a very little upside to the K2. And don't get me wrong, there are... Um, you know, positive experience ports of people using K2 or Spice and having a great time. Uh, they just are outnumbered by a fair amount by the negative stories of people flipping out or doing too much. So just, you know, if you're going to use K2 or Spice, be careful and preferably don't use these things. You know, tell your legislators that marijuana is safer than these things. And of course, of course, there's two sides to every story. Marijuana can cause problems. It does cause problems. But humans have always sought ways to get high. <laughs> and there's parts of our brains that are built to do it. So whatever. I'm not, this is not, I'm not getting into a debate with you about it. But uh, yeah, K2 and spice probably shouldn't be a thing if, uh, you know, marijuana or cannabis, the cannabis plant, were legal. <laughs> Oh boy, I lost about 15 minutes of recording at the end there. Oh well. <laughs> anyway, let me quickly read you some Lou Reads the Internet reviews from people who have reviewed the podcast in the past. Um, Chuckles the Birthday Bear adds, Always good for a laugh. It's like This American Life meets the Internet meets Lou Fernandez. At times, this podcast has been the only thing that has gotten me through the workday. Subscribe! And Pixelbot2000 adds, These podcasts are hilarious and often really disgusting. Lou has a wonderful, soothing voice. He is also delightful when he takes on the persona of a loud morning DJ to read from the large penis support group. I like when he gets grossed out and also the way he says, Ha ha! And Mr. Illiterate adds, My week just isn't complete without Lou reading something that usually ends up making me feel confused, upset, or queasy. If you like the crazy internets but are illiterate, brackets, or too lazy to read, then Lou Reads the Internet for you is right up your alley. So yeah, if you have the time using iTunes or you have an iTunes account, you don't have to use it. You just have to have the account. Log in. Uh, go to the store at iTunes, find LouReads.com, and write a review. If you use Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever, please write Write a review of the podcast. It does indeed matter. It's like voting, except it matters. Uh, I'm just joking. Please vote. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for everyone. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing it with your friends who I'm sure are tired of you saying you've got to hear this episode of Lou Reads. I know you have a, I know you have a lot of choice in the world of podcasts, and I'm glad that you choose to spend some time with me in your ear holes. All right, that's going to do it for me. This is Lou Reads the Internet, Eruid Experience Vaults, Synthetic Cannabinoids, and K2 slash Spice for you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>